The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Some Greeks who had come to worship at the Passover feast came to Philip, who said, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. I am troubled now, yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder, but others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this, indicating the kind of death he would die. The Gospel of the Lord. It's easy to understand how the, the apostles would often find themselves rather confused in response to our blessed Lord. Over and again, the disciples appear this way, seeming to do the exact opposite, or rather, seeming not to do anything at all sometimes in response to our Lord. And we see a good reason for it today. Some Greeks come, and they desire to see him. And so Philip and Andrew go to our Lord, and they say, well, there are some Greek fellows that are, that are here, and they would like to speak with you. And our Lord gives this lengthy response of, you know, it, the hour for the time, the, my hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. You know, it, starts, it, kind, of be, it kind of goes in this really ethereal talk about, about you know, the serving the Father and, and being renounced by the world. Uh, should I save, you know, save me from this hour? It was for this that I came, and when I am lifted up, I will draw everyone to myself. You can imagine the apostles are going, so let them in? Right? I mean, in response, to, in response to such a normal request, our Lord speaks this eloquent and powerful response. And yet, hidden in that response, in a veiled sort of way, is the response, let them in. Our Lord, when he, when he immediately responds to the, the, the sense of the Greeks who have come to see you, it's an invitation that indeed, the mission is being fulfilled. He knows that soon he will be lifted up. Until that point in his, in his earthly ministry, our blessed Lord always sought to do exactly the things in the manner that the Father had set out, according to his plan. That the good news would come first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. The Jews had all but received the message 
It had been proclaimed for years at this point. For those who had already accepted Christ, their hearts were open. And for those who had denied him, they were closed. Many hearts had already decided about this man. And now the news was starting to go out to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, to those who were not of the Jewish origin, right, right on the edge, right at the end of our Lord's earthly life and ministry. We start to see the fruits even more. Not just one person of Gentile origin, as was often the case before, a single Samaritan woman, a single individual from this place or from that place. Here it becomes a group who comes. We would like to see Jesus. Our Lord's response at the conclusion of it, <coughs> excuse me, towards the, to, the, to the conclusion of his, of his response to Philip and Andrew, he speaks about being lifted up. He says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. This is the everyone that he sees already taking place in the arrival of these Greeks who have journeyed from afar to come to worship, to celebrate the great feast. Everyone is called. Being lifted up, of course, harkens to to the Old Testament of how the the people of old had complained against the Lord and he sent seraph serpents among them and they were being bitten and whoever was bitten would die. In a response, Moses pled with them, pled with the Lord for the people that they not all be killed. Essentially, Lord, do something. We perish. And so the Lord tells him, place upon a staff a seraph, a serpent, an image of the one that's killing you, and lift it up, and everyone who looks upon it will be healed. A strange thing. And yet, whenever people look upon it with faith, indeed, they were healed. They were saved. And so much the same with our blessed Lord. He too will be lifted up, except rather than being a a, a simple sign of that which was to come, it was the reality The seraph serpent of old placed upon his staff was simply a a foretelling, a foreshadowing, an anticipation of Christ himself hanging upon the wood of the cross. Indeed, when he is lifted up, he will call everyone to himself. He desires that all will be saved, not just the Jews, but all. It is for us whether we are willing to follow It is for us whether we are able to look upon the man upon the cross and recognize that he is not merely a man, but it is God himself. It is the Word made flesh, the Savior of the world. If we can see with the eyes of faith, we will be saved, healed in our soul. And our blessed Lord still calls to us. He still allows himself to be lifted up. Indeed, every single Mass is a representation, a making present once again in a mysterious manner and in a veiled way, Calvary. Every time we come here, we celebrate that holy sacrifice. That's why we call it the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It is the holy sacrifice of Christ himself. Not that we sacrifice him, but we participate in a mysterious way in the fact that he has offered himself for us. He is the priest, the altar, and the lamb of sacrifice. We join in that once again. 
And just as 2,000 years ago, people walking by were able to look upon our Lord and on the cross and to make an assessment when their heart, either to mock Him or to adore Him. So also we too, in every single Mass, the priest offers the words of consecration and holds up the host. Again, he is lifted up right before our very eyes. If we have the eyes of faith, it is Christ upon the cross and the host. It is Christ being lifted up, beckoning to us to come to him, to come and to adore, to worship, to receive of his mercy, to receive of his grace. He continues to call to us. It's the entire reason this moment takes place in the Mass. It was in response to the Eucharistic miracles that the Eucharistic fervor came with great intensity among the faithful, a desire to see the host, not simply to receive it, to see, to see the miracle that has taken place. Prior to that, the priest would offer the words of consecration. He would offer the prayer, kind of quietly bowed down, and then simply place the host back upon the altar and continue on. It was the desire of the faithful that compelled this change, that the priest holds up the host, that we might be able to see, to look upon him who can save us, to look at him and to be drawn to him, Indeed, when he is lifted up, he will draw everyone to himself. In a particular way, it happens here at Holy Mass. So as we offer these great mysteries, a chance once more for us to come to our Lord, he who bids us draw close, he who bids us come intimately close, so that he too can draw close to us. He desires to give us life. He desires to heal our souls. He desires to free us from our sins and to save us by his grace. It is for us to draw near, to look with the eyes of faith to he who is lifted up for us to adore and to worship.